Hey church, Pastor Adam here, and I want to say thank you so much for stopping by to join us for Church Online today. And, and while we are super stoked that you're hanging out with us this morning, we do want to remind you that really this is just is supplemental. And man, it just cannot replace the local church in your life. And so look, we hope that you are encouraged and, and challenged and shaped by today's message that's being preached. Uh, but, but also, we don't want to be uh, your substitute. Uh, for the local church body that you should be involved in. We really do believe that the local church is God's plan A in reaching the world. So with that being said, please come hang out with us in person uh, one Sunday. If you're in Paducah in the area, come hang out with us to get some rest or find a local Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church that you can get plugged in and connected to. Uh, Jesus loves the church and and we love Jesus and, and we believe that we can better serve uh, Jesus, if we love his church well. So, welcome to Rest. Good morning, Rest Church. How are you? Um, as I was singing over here, uh, if you ask my wife, she'll be the first to tell you that I cannot sing. And, and as I was singing, I was like, oh, Lord, I hope my mic isn't on. Because that would be, <laughs> that would be terrible. That would be terrible. Um, Good morning, my name's Johan, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it has been a minute since I've been here, uh, been serving over Metropolis, um, and I was telling somebody this morning, something that uh, is really cool, it's not like we just have like, like the place pack, nobody can get in, but something happened last week that really encouraged me, and this was, this was it. We had a first-time guest come back, right? I mean, that's a, that's a huge milestone, right? Uh, you know, while I know rest and I know the intention and the heart of the people uh, and the serving, I mean, the reality is, is this dude is hidden in a bunker in an old bank, right? But there's people that, that the Lord is bringing there and he is reaching and then it was uh, to a point where they came back and that was pretty awesome. So, um, again, glad to be back. I was here at Trunk or Treat. Thank you for all the volunteers. Uh, I kind of felt like it was a homecoming of sorts. Uh, it was nice to see familiar faces. I did have to reintroduce myself. So, hi, my name's Pastor Johan. Um, I come here from time to time. So, um, but I did, I got this, this cool hat for coming back. Um, this thing will be available, like, if you want them. Uh, they're, they're pretty tight. Hey, Ellie, is that, a, is that, a, is that a, like a current word, tight? Help me out. One of you three, like, it's not, it's, uh, well, what's a good word these days? No, Eric, no, sorry. It's fire? It's fire emoji. I've given up trying to be cool. Um, sorry? Okay, so Eric and I have known each other for a long time. We've served together a long time, and, and Adam and I have as well, like, in youth. And I remember, I was like, man, I, I used to try to keep up. Uh, and I remember one time I was like, man, I'm going to get me some Chuck Taylors. Man, I'm not going to splurge yet because I don't, know, don't need them, but I'm going to get some Chuck Taylors. And so I roll in with some Chuck Taylors, man. Like, if you know me, like, I, got, I have two favorite colors. They're gray and black. Obviously. I'm trying to incorporate a little bit of white. But I roll up, man. I got these brand new, like, gray Chuck Taylors. They got the black sole. And one of, the, one of the youth that I was pretty close with, like, pointing and laughing at me, he's like, you're wearing Chuck Taylors? I was like, what? So I give up. Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to fall down today. Um, so if you've been with us for some time, uh, you know that we have been in the book of Romans. 
Uh, the book of Romans is probably one of my favorite books uh, because it is life-changing. I mean, and so some of the, some of the verses that we're going to talk about today, you may have heard before, but I pray that God, through the Holy Spirit, will begin to show you, like, what he's communicating, like, through these verses. Because these verses, they will take you from being someone that views himself as jumping on Jesus' coattail as he's walking through, like a piece of dust, but it'll take you from somebody that has that perspective of yourself and actually take you to the point to where you realize you're not just some tick that's grabbed on. I mean, you are important. You matter. And not only that, I mean, you are the apple of his eye. When God looks at you, he's just like, wow, I did a good job with that one. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about y'all. Like, I'm a little bit of a charity case. But, so, I just want to have a really quick recap of, of where we are in Romans. So, in Romans, like 1, actually 18 after the, after the opening, but through 3.20, what Paul does is he states this need for justification. Why? Because of God's righteous wrath. And we talked a lot about that. Then from Romans 3.21 through 4.25, he states the way of justification. So there's the need and then there's the way. How? Like how does someone in their lost state go from a place of needing justification to justification? The how is through faith alone in Jesus alone. And then to today... We're going to be in Romans 5, like 1 through 11, today specifically 9 through 11, but this, it revels in the glory of justification. So now we'll kind of recap where we are with uh, Romans 5. So Romans 5, 1, there's peace with God. In the first part of verse 2, like we stand in grace. The second part of 2 through 4, we rejoice, rejoice in hope. And then in 5 through 8, we know a love like no other love. Which brings us to today's verses, 9, 10, and then 11. But 9 and 10, so we have the assurance, the assurance of final salvation. And then verse 11, like we exult, we rejoice in God himself. So, as I was really thinking about these verses... I, there's some questions that I need to ask. Some fair questions. And I'm asking you, but I'm also asking myself, like, do you truly understand why you believe in Jesus? I mean, think about it. I mean, do you because your, your mommy and your daddy did? Do you believe because that was just the church that you were raised up in? But, but do you truly understand why you believe in Jesus? Well, I've got a follow-up to that question. Do you understand why you need him in the first place? I mean, do we? Do you truly understand, like, what he has done for you? And last, like, do you truly understand what he actively does for you? There's so much more than him just going to that cross and taking care of the sin problem that you had and giving you that justification that you need. Did you know that he is actively involved in every single um, part of your life? Every single part. And we're going to discuss that today. 
And like, if you would, just like, just please like listen through, listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through me, hopefully, and let like these three verses like change your life and change not only your perspective of God, but the perspective of yourself before him. So, and if you can take one thing home today, if there is one thing that you hear today, and you can throw up this slide, the one thing that I want you to hear is this, like if there's only one thing that you take home today, when Jesus saves you, you will not need to be saved again. And that's huge. So, I was thinking about these verses and just like, like the barrage of information that was hitting my brain. But like as you begin to, to grow in your knowledge of the, of the scriptures and you spend time in them, so what, what happens, it's, it's really amazing. So you're, you're looking at specific verses that say one thing, but there's, there's like either key words or key phrases that will pop up that you will take information from other parts of the Bible and then plug them into what you're reading. And it just brings those verses to life. Like you understand what the author's trying to say. But the cool part, let me make sure I'm like ahead of myself here. I am a little bit. Okay, so, so the information that you know from other portions of the of the Bible, like get plugged into these verses that make these things come alive. And so what, what, what I mean by these things coming alive, it, it's kind of a twofold thing. Like one, you see the true meaning that the author's trying to communicate, but the even better part is this, that God through the Holy Spirit takes the meaning and the truth that's in those verses and he uses those to radically change your life. The, the word of the Lord is living and is, and is active. So, like, if you're to a point where, like, that does not, like, yet happen for you, like, like, it, like don't lose heart. Just, just keep going. This is not something that happens overnight. You know, the Word of God is described as a sword. And you can have one that is sharp, or you can have one that is dull. And the way that you sharpen your sword, the way that you sharpen that knowledge that you've got in your head is you've got to spend time in it. And you'll be sharpening that blade. So when you have that truth that is necessary for your daily application, when that, sharp, when that sword is sharp, you'll actually be able to use it uh, for good. So, today is my hope that you will at least, at least begin to see exactly what Paul is saying here. So let's read these verses and then we'll dig into it. Uh, Romans 5, 9 through 11. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So the main point of today is this. We are justified by faith, which equals freedom from God's wrath. Let's pray.
Father, I want to thank you um, for the opportunity to stand before this body. I want to thank you for the text that I have today and for the liberating truth that it contains, the powerful words that are there. God, I ask that the Holy Spirit would show up through me and speak through me this morning and paint this picture for this body to, to embolden them, uh, Lord, to help them and to change their lives so that as they go about theirs, others can be changed also. Lord, we give you this time and we ask that you use it for your glory. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Romans 5.9. Let's read that again and then we'll break it down. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So, so there's some words in here that really just, just pop out to me. And some of these we've talked about. But we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And if I'm, if I'm really being honest, like I'm going to nerd out a little bit uh, because some of the stuff that I've studied in the past has really been like brought to the front. Uh, and we're actually going to have a cool image maybe um, that we can work through some things. So, so in this verse, in verse 9, like there, there are these three words that really pop off the page to me. And it's this. It's justification, blood, and saved. And I really have to tag it with, I really have to tag saved because it, it, um, it's saved from God's wrath. And there's another saved that we'll look at as well. But, so, so what I want to do is I want to look at these three words to really add that flavor to the verse. And so we can really understand what Paul is trying to communicate to us. Um, so the first one is justification. We have spent a lot of time on that here already. Hopefully you remember it. Uh, if not, what I'm going to do is, like, its condensed version is super, super easy. So for today's purpose, like, what you've got to know is this. When you see the word justification, justification equals just as if you've never sinned or ever will again. Justification. If you got it, say got it. All right. I guess that's good enough. We'll work with that. So... So, this justification was brought about by something. It was brought about, it was brought about by something. Well, well, what was it? If you look at the verse, it tells you. Justification was brought about by the blood. And this statement is huge. And we're going to spend some time here. So, justification was brought about by his blood. Moving to the second word already. So, the first thing that you have to know about blood is this. The life is in the blood. <laughs> Are there any rare steak eaters in here? I know there's at least one. Are you rare? <laughs> she says no. <laughs> Just one? Where's Hammond's? Okay, I got, there's two. I know Hammond's is here. Oh, he's over there? Oh, you got another one? Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's like a sizzle, sizzle, put it on my plate, right? Okay, well, the life is in the blood, and we're, 
I'm, I'm not going to go with it, so I'll pray for y'all. <laughs> is there still blood? I, I, have, I need a, a meat aficionado. Like, is it still blood if it's medium rare? No? Oh, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> that's I'm gonna Grace says I'm going to ruin steak for her. That, that's... I can't. Okay. okay. Okay, sorry. So the life is in the blood. When animals were sacrificed in Old Testament times, like these sacrifices appeased God. And so their personal sins were covered but not removed because of, because of the type of sacrifice, which we'll get into later, but because they were sacrificing an animal, which again appeased God, that blood was taken and it appeased God, which provided them atonement of sins. Okay, so what you've got to know is atonement is, is a word that says that I have covered sin. If you're covering something, is it still there? Yes. So, so this, this blood of an animal would cover sin. The sin was still there. So this is the need for the yearly sacrifices. So, so Jesus' crucifixion, his sacrifice was different. Why? It was different because Jesus was not an animal. He was the son of God. He was the perfect sacrifice. In fact, he was the sacrifice that all of the Old Testament sacrifices pointed to. When he was on the cross, he gave his life. Church, where is the life found? It is in the, it's in the blood. So his life, as he was being crucified, as he was being sacrificed, his blood, his life poured out. That's why, like he says this after his, after his resurrection, when he appears to his disciples in Luke 24, uh, 24, 39, throw that slide up. This is really interesting, and for, for years and years, I never saw it. But then, when I saw it, like after I was taught, it was clear. So Luke 24, 39, this is just prior to the ascension. He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Like, touch me and see. Like, dude, I'm not a ghost. For a spirit does not have flesh and blood, flesh and bones, as you see that I have. Now, if you go to other portions of Scripture, someone doesn't refer to themselves as a being that has flesh and bones. They say flesh and blood, right? He didn't have his blood. Why? Because it had been poured out for you and for me. So he says, see my hands and my feet, that is I myself. Touch me and see, for the Spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So, because his blood had been poured out, there was huge significance with that. And we'll actually talk about it today, but we'll find out later, like in the book of Hebrews, exactly what he did with it. It did, just didn't just pour out and then was gone. Like, it poured out for a reason, a very significant reason. So, but before we really move forward with that mindset, like what I have to do is I have to halfway paint a picture for you so that you will understand like what was done with the blood, specifically with the blood of the Old Testament sacrifices, and it's this. So, so people, once a year, would bring their animal to the priests, right? 
the priest would be at the tabernacle, which was a, a portable church, if you will. The priest would kill the animal, and then they would take the blood from the, that animal inside the tabernacle. They would go through the holy place into the holy of holies where God the Father dwelt. That blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, which is on top of the Ark of the Covenant, which we'll look at it here in a, in a minute. So that blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant, thus providing the offerer or the people atonement of sin, not forgiveness, atonement. So Jesus, he gave himself as the spotless lamb to be sacrificed. He gave himself. And this was a sacrifice through the means of crucifixion. The most horrific, torturous, evil, and painful way to die. This was not forced on him. He gave himself up. So the true lamb, the son of God, Jesus, was sacrificed. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose to resurrection life. And then after the resurrection, he was on the earth for 40 days. And then he ascends into heaven. And so before we continue, I want to create a visual. And if you would, go ahead and throw up that image if you've got it. So this was kind of crazy. I'm going to walk up here for a little bit. I hope the mic doesn't freak out. So the tabernacle that Moses constructed in the wilderness was not an original. It was a copy. Like God was very specific, like on the dimensions and all the materials and the colors and everything. And so, what I want to do, is it possible to leave that up while we have stuff on the sides, maybe? If not, no? Okay, I'm just going to read this. Like, don't worry about the verses from Hebrews. But hear me, church. When Christ Jesus appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation... So while Moses has something very similar to this constructed that's on the earth, there is one just like it that is up in heaven. Okay? And so when Jesus was crucified, he died. Man, there's a lot there. I'm not going to go there. He, was, he died. He was buried. He raised in the third day. He hung out in the earth for 40 days. Well, then he ascends back into heaven. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. So I say again, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater, more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. So Jesus walks into the tabernacle that's in heaven. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So Jesus didn't just casually stroll into heaven after the 40 days as like, hey, Father, dude, I'm back. No, he strolls in victoriously as the eternal high priest carrying his blood that he poured out on the cross for us. And so then what he does is he walks into this tabernacle. This is the holy place here. 
and only the high priest was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is, where God's glory lives, where God himself dwells, and Jesus himself with the blood from his own body sprinkled it on the mercy seat, thus giving us eternal redemption, giving us eternal justification, giving us eternal life. That was fun for me. So, so Jesus is now that his blood has been offered. He is functioning as our high priest. Talks about it in the book of Hebrews. But he begins this job, Luke 24, Acts 1, at the ascension. And so what does a high priest do? I mean, what is the role of a high priest? Old Testament and New. The role of the high priest is to be a mediator between man and God. So what the, what the people would do prior to the eternal work that Jesus did is they would go to that high priest with their problems, needs, praise, whatever. And that high priest would go to God on behalf of man. Jesus does that for us now. He is the high priest. Not only that is he is the intercessor. He is like he is the being that intercedes for us. Who intervenes constantly on our behalf. So Jesus, he goes to the Father continuously. Romans 8:34, um, Hebrews 7:25. And I'd really like to chase that rabbit but I'm not going to. So the blood that he poured out just didn't have like some kind of symbolism as it poured out. Like it poured out for a reason because the payment that was required from you and from me, which is a death, was satisfied with the blood of the Son because remember, the life is in the blood, so he gave that life. He took that life to the Father where he was residing in the Holy of Holies and sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat so that wrath could be fulfilled, so that wrath could be contained, so that wrath for us could be done away with. Which leads us to uh, <laughs> wrath. So... This is the third word in verse 9. And we've talked a lot about this through Romans, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. So Jesus, now our high priest forever, he walks triumphantly into the heavenly tabernacle with his blood. And he sprinkled it on the mercy seat, his perfect sacrifice, just like the priest in the Old Testament did, in order that he might provide for us justification before the Father. Remember, justification is just as if you've never sinned or ever will again. And this, this offering was something that provided something eternal, not temporary as in the Old Testament times. The sparing us from the wrath of God. I love this verse, Hebrews 10, 14. says, for by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For by one offering... That blood of his was spilled once. 
That blood that he took into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the mercy seat was sprinkled once. It was offered once. So by one offering, he has perfected, he has made you perfect for all time. Us who are being sanctified. Us who are being set apart. Us who are beginning to look more and more like him as we walk with him. So Romans 5.9 says this, Since therefore now we have been justified, just as if we've never sinned, by his blood, because the life was in the blood, a life was required and he gave it, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Like, are you beginning to see it? Are you beginning to see the victory in this? And the, and the praise that is 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 willing to be given to God like, like through this. So, the main point again, justified by faith, freedom from God's wrath. Because the price is paid. This next verse, Romans 5.10, is probably one of my favorite verses of all time. Um, absolutely love it. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This verse is huge. This verse is huge. And I kind of alluded it to it earlier. But in all of the praiseworthy things that were mentioned in verse 9, now we get even more in verse 10. This is unreal. So, in verse 10, like 9, there are also three key words that just pop off the page, and we're going to look at those as well. And it's enemies, reconciled, and again, saved. So, the last time it was saved from wrath, but this time it's saved by his life. And it's used in two different contexts. So, one, enemies. For if while we were enemies... Did you realize that you either are or you were an enemy of God? I mean, I don't care how good of a person you are. Did you realize that at one point, prior to you meeting Jesus, like you were an enemy of God? This is not addressing people that openly oppose him, but everyone in their lost state. This, this is maybe a little bit deeper, maybe even scarier than it sounds. So, did you know that you are either for him or you're against him? I mean, my heart breaks because I have known some really, really good people that refuse to believe. But you're either for him or you're against him. Because at that point that Christ died, like, we were his enemy. So there's, there's, there's no middle ground. You, you fall into one of those two categories. You're either for him or you're against him. Unfortunately, you either oppose God openly or you oppose him and you don't even realize that you're doing it. You've been deceived. And this isn't like some gotcha moment or some scare tactic, but I'm merely like bringing to light the sheer selfless kindness of Jesus going to the cross for you and for me. The agonizing pain, the fear, the humiliation, 
the anxiety and the loneliness he must have felt, the absolute despair. Like, he suffered for you when you are not his family. He suffered for you when you are not his friend. He suffered for you when you were his enemy. He suffered for you when you hated him. He suffered for me when I hated him. And he did this for all of us. And, and you know, as I was writing this down, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, to, to really grasp, like, what Paul is saying is here, like, for while we were enemies, like, think about the Hamas today and the despicable acts that are being committed. Do you realize that Jesus died for them while they, they were his enemy? And they, like everybody else, can come to saving faith through the Son. So, Romans 5, 8, back up a little bit. Jesus was crucified on the cross when we were sinners, when we were ungodly. He died on that cross for us when we were his enemy. And he was glad to do it. I wouldn't say that he was excited about it, but he was glad to do it. So the second word in 510, reconciled. Reconcile. So this meaning is, the meaning common to this word group is change or exchange. Reconciliation involves a change in the relationship between God and man or man and man. It assumes that there has been a breakdown in that relationship, but now there has been a, a change from a state of enmity and fragmentation to one of harmony and fellowship. So, at one point, like, we're separated and reconciliation is needed. But if you rewind all the way back to the beginning to where God created mankind, like, like did you realize when he made Adam, like, Man and God were in perfect harmony. They were in perfect fellowship. They enjoyed each other's company. As a father and a loving son do. I mean, yes, there was instruction. But as a father teaching his son, and the son is glad to hear it. Every aspect of Adam's life was shared with his father, with the father. And the Father gave dominion. I mean, like, listen to me. All creation, everything that God created, he gave to a guy. He gave to a dude, to a man. He gave him dominion over everything. And he says, listen, I ask of you one thing. Like, dude, you have dominion over everything, but this one thing I ask. Don't eat the fruit of this tree. Just, that's it. That's it. Adam chose to eat the fruit. Eve was deceived, but Adam chose. He knew he wasn't supposed to do it. And that perfect harmony, that perfect fellowship was broken. That once perfect relationship between man and God was gone. And the, unfor the unfortunate part is this. That when that relationship was voided, there was a God-sized hole in that heart, and something filled it. It's called sin, and it's called death. So sin and death came not just into Adam, but to all mankind. 
So mankind, all of us, you and me, we all need this reconciliation. We all need this restoration to perfect harmony with the Father. And it is Jesus' blood that reconciles us. That blood that we discussed earlier was the payment that God was looking for. The payment is life, and life is in the blood. And this is why Jesus offered himself to be crucified, sacrificed on a cross, not ironically, but prophetically and divinely, as the priests were celebrating the feast of Passover, and I could talk about that for a long time, but I won't. So, as Jesus was on the cross, and I can't tell you the laws that were broken to get him up on it, as Jesus is being crucified on the cross, at the exact same time, the priests were sacrificing animals from the people celebrating the feast of Passover. And that's why I say it is not ironic that he is on this cross, but it is prophetic and it is divine. Like Cody talked about last week, it says, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Like there's so much in that one little phrase. At the right time. Why? Because it was the feast of Passover, so it was the animals being sacrificed for the sin of mankind to provide atonement. The true lamb is being sacrificed to give eternal forgiveness. Um, so, so all of that, man, it sounds so amazing. Like, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Well, it doesn't stop there. Like, he keeps going. It almost seems like after Jesus on the cross, he says, it is finished. His blood is offered. He takes that blood. He offers it in the temple, satisfying the need for the death of us. Jesus doesn't stop there. He keeps going, functioning as that high priest. Which brings us to the third key word in this verse, and it is saved by his life. So it's Jesus' blood that saves us from God's wrath and brings reconciliation with him. It's his life that saves us in the here and now. He didn't only die to get us out of hell into heaven. He died so that he could get himself out of heaven into us. When you're at your lowest of lows, when you're backed into a corner with nowhere to go, when you are incapable of saving yourself from whatever circumstances you're finding yourself in, it's Jesus' life that saves you. Not this eternal salvation that's already happened, but it's at these moments when you are in utter despair that his life in you saves you. So in verse 10, saved is interpreted as shall be saved. It means to save, to heal, to preserve, to rescue, to deliver, or to protect. This, this saved here is a verb that has a future indication. This is not something that happened in our past. This is something that has happened now and in our future, after we're saved. And we compared this to when we were reconciled. So when we were reconciled, this is to exchange, change, reconcile, to change mutually, to compound a difference. And this is a verb that has a past tense verb, um, so reconciled is something that happened. Saved by his life is something that is coming and something that's happening now. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you said, thank God 
this or that didn't happen. Thank God I didn't make this decision because if I'd have known then what I know now, like, I would have been ruined. Have you ever, have you ever <laughs> been frustrated, like, oh my gosh, I'm late, and I am stuck at this for whatever reason, only to drive up on a horrific accident that you would have been right in the middle of? We are saved by his life. And that's just on the human aspect of it. But not only that, so, I mean, let's be honest. Even though we are followers of Christ, even though that we have God, God's nature living inside of us, like, we still screw up. I still screw up. I still do things worthy of death because all sin is worthy of death. But did you know that we have an advocate with the Son who goes to the Father on our behalf, always making intercession for us, so that when the accuser goes to the Father to point out our shortcomings, we have Jesus Christ, the righteous. Our high priest that goes to the Father and says, my blood's taking care of that. Your wrath is satisfied. So, not only did his blood save us from eternal damnation, it is his life that saves us in the here and now. So Romans 5.10 says this, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Are you beginning to see what Paul's saying here? Are you beginning to see just what was done for you and for me? So the main point is justified by faith, freedom from God's wrath. Verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's right. So, the thing that Paul is trying to communicate here in verse 11 is this. There is a difference in saying, I am a Christian, and actually enjoying God. <laughs> it's one thing to be married and actually enjoy your wife. I heard amen from a lady. <laughs> um, but there, so there's a difference between saying like, like, I'm a Christian and actually enjoying God. Just as there's a difference between, hey, I'm married and actually enjoying your wife. <laughs> I have a little note for myself. It's like, pause for an amen. Uh, um, and I got one. It was not from a dude. It was from a lady. So thank you. <laughs> so. So I have a question for, for you and for me as well. Like, like, do you love God? Like, not out of fear, not out of reference, but just out of passion. Like, do you love him? Do you realize he's not some big, powerful being that is waiting for you to get out of line so he can punish you? Because that's not the case at all. He's a God that loves you. Like, do you rejoice in him? Do I? Do you adore him? Like, oh my gosh, God, I adore you. Or have we become comfortably numb? Have we become hard of hearing when it comes to the good news of the gospel? 
Uh, years and years ago, I, was, I had a, a, a sermon that was titled Comfortably Numb. But when the good news hits our ears, why are we not jumping up and down for joy? Because we are on a path that is leading to eternal destruction, eternal damnation, eternal punishment, eternal separation from the all-loving God. And there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. And then all of a sudden, the sun comes up and he provides that reconciliation to restore that relationship and to, to give us eternal life, not just an eternal life of living, but eternal life of absolute bliss with the Father. Why do we not jump up and down? It's because we've become comfortably numb. So, there's this quote from Tony Moretta that I think it really helps put things in perspective. If profound gratitude does not arise in our hearts when we ponder that no future wrath awaits us, then it is probably because we have forgotten what we deserve. So, so this portion of Scripture in Romans 5 has an intent on starting or restarting a fire, a passion for these things. To help us see exactly what Jesus has done. And to help us see that what he does for us every day. To ignite a love. To ignite a joy. To ignite an excitement and an appreciation for God and his son. So what I want to do is I want to put these three verses back together and let's read them all. With all of this other information that we've discussed, while it's fresh, let's put it back into these verses. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now, we have now received reconciliation. So reading these verses together brings this clear picture of how much Jesus cares for you. I see nothing of selfishness here on his part. Nothing. What I do is absolute selflessness, absolute kindness, absolute rescue, and absolute love. And we were remembered. Like, none of this was done when we were his friend. None of this was done when we were his family. Jesus did this for his enemies. Jesus did this for you. Why? Why would he do that? Because he loved you first. Justified by faith. Freedom. Freedom from God's wrath. Let's pray. Father, I want to 
I want to come to you again and, and thank you. For the pain that Jesus endured for me. I want to thank you that he, while I was his enemy, went to that cross and that separation from you that brought him severe anxiety, that brought him like agonizing pain before he even hit the cross, like to the point to where his sweat became blood because of the absolute stress that was going through his body. Lord, and, and I believe that when he was on that cross, going through that horrific torture, that all of us were on his mind. He endured that cross for us and was happy to do it. Lord, I pray that this truth that we've heard today would shed light onto what you've done for us. That it would shed light on how you view us. Because in these three passages, everything that was done was done for us. I saw nothing there where you were doing things for yourself. You were doing them for us. Father, and I thank you. Thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. I'm going to move this out of the way real quick. So as we close, there's one thing that you can take home with you today. It's this. You must know that you are important. You must know that you matter. You are not just some person lost in a sea of faces. Like God knows you. Like he loves you. And he cares about you. He is not a wrathful, vengeful God. Romans 2, 4 says it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And Romans 5, 9, 10, and 11, I see nothing but it there. I see nothing but kindness. So, speaking to believers, like, I, I need to ask you some fair questions. And I, and I mentioned this earlier. Like, do you truly understand why you believe in Jesus? Do you truly understand why you need him in the first place? Do you truly understand what he has done for you? And do you understand what he actively does for you? The foundation of your faith, the foundation, it's like everything that is built on that, you have to have that as your foundation. John talks about this in his second book. He talks about the different levels of maturity, like the, the things that we've discussed today is the foundation of all of your faith. And I can tell you, like, if you don't really understand those things, like when the winds come, when the trials come, and trust me, they will, everything that you built will be built on soft ground. Like, it is gonna, it's going gonna to come crashing down. 
you know, you're not going to have to replace a window or some shingles. Like, it's going to come crashing down. You have got to understand who you are in Christ, what he's done for you, and how he views you. So. Do you want to be victorious in this life? Or do you want to surrender to the resurrection of power of Jesus and the victory that he brings with him? Submit to him. Pursue him. Seek his heart in the word that he gave to you. Lay that faith foundation and then build on it. Because I can tell you, like, when you're beaten down and you feel like the choices that you've made are not the right ones, Excuse me. But when you feel like, and I felt this week, when you feel like the choices that you made, they weren't right, and they're not producing results, just remember that there's going to be battles that you lose so that Jesus can win the war. So, you know, as a follower of Christ, we're playing the long game. We must not be short-sighted. Just as Jesus wins in the end, so do the righteous acts of the saints. So, we must not be short-sighted because we're playing the long game. To the non-believer, like, Jesus wants to save you. He thought of you when he was on that cross. And not only does he want to save you from that righteous wrath that's coming towards you, he wants to save you that so he can continually save you. Like, if you are sitting here today, like, and you know in your heart that you are truly not a follower of his, like, it is, it is not by chance that you're here today. It is not by chance. Like, eternal work needs to be done today. I can tell you, like, the day is coming when the rapture is going to be upon us. You know, just like your mom used to have that old kitchen timer that she would wind up that would tick, 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 tick. And when it hit zero, it just went crazy. Like, dude, we're getting close. This isn't, like, I hate scare tactics. But at the same time, like, I feel that if there's things that we see, like, you deserve it. So with all of the stuff that's going on in Israel... Like, I, I've been paying attention because I know what triggers some things. I mean, we could talk for hours, but I know that there are certain things that will trigger the rapture, that will trigger the tribulation. So I've been waiting to hear, like, this phrase. Uh, I, I've been having the news on just at work where I can kind of hear it, and I've been waiting to hear this phrase, and I can tell you two weeks ago I heard it. It was from the mouth of a Jew. And he said this, please help us. Please help us. Because what you may not know is that the Antichrist is coming. And it really sounds kind of hocus pocus, but I'm telling you that it's not. But the Antichrist is going to come and he is going to offer the nation of Israel peace. He is going to offer them help when they are backed into a corner. And so how can I not hear this and not say something to you? Now, this wasn't 
said from the, the right person. This was just from like a regular civilian. But I feel like as that despair grows, it's going to work its way up to finally you're going to have some political leader that is going to reach out to someone saying, please help us. This, dude, the stage is being set for the return of Christ. So if you are here today and you are without him and you know that that is you, like, dude, let's change that today. Ball's in your court. And we will be here to help you. So, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, like, today's the day. Dude, if you need help with something, like, tell us. Like, let us help you. Let's make some life changes today. Right, go ahead and bow your heads if you would, please. You know, when you come to meet Jesus, it's not something where you've got to clean yourself up. You come to him in the position that you're in. You come to him with that open heart. And you confess that, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. You know, these things that were discussed today, Father, would you please save me the way that you have saved others? Because I need you. Because that wrath is coming. It's easy. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak today about your word. I pray that somebody takes something home today with them that helps change your life. And God, I pray that if there's someone here that is lost today, Father, that you would save them. Because I know that it is you that draws all men to yourself. Do your work today, Father. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Let's worship.